Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the Bibles to Philippians. We're going to go two different places. Philippians chapter 3 verse 12 and also Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. Philippians chapter 3 verse 12 and Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. The last few weeks uh, God has really been speaking to me concerning spiritual maturity and I think uh, Blake is going to need a hand because his helper abandoned him in time of need. And so But God has been talking to us about spiritual maturity and really dealing with me about that subject. And so today I want to talk about that a little bit more in detail. And I'm going to use this for a couple of illustrations here in a few moments. But uh, I believe that God is really challenging us to uh, go deeper, that we are in a season of growth. We're in a season where God is pulling us into deeper places with Him. And I do believe that depth Depth is something that everybody in the place needs. I need depth. You need depth. We need more depth of spiritual character, spiritual knowledge, spiritual wisdom, spiritual understanding. We need more depth of those areas in our life. And so I just believe that we're in a season of growth where God is trying to take us into some of those deeper places in those areas. And that's not to say, and I'm not certainly minimizing it, anybody... Uh, spiritual depth in the place. That's not to minimize your knowledge or your understanding or your faithfulness or any other aspect uh, of your level of spirituality, your spiritual maturity that's already been attained. But it is to say this, that the level of spiritual maturity that we have for today, that is sufficient for today, is not the level of spiritual maturity that will be sufficient for tomorrow. God is constantly taking us, and there's a little ring in my mic. If y'all could get that out, that would be wonderful. Uh, God is always taking us to deeper places. Our walk with Christ, our walk with Him, we call it that, right? We call it a walk. It's my walk with God. It's my walk with Christ. Our walk with Christ demands uh, that, that we have advancement. It demands advancing. Otherwise, it's not a walk, right? It's just standing. It's not movement. It's just standing. And so for it to be a walk, ground has to be gained and ground has to be left behind. And we'll finish it next week. And so I'm going to challenge you today to stretch, to stretch yourself. Who's ready to stretch this morning? All right, good. Pray with me as I preach. Stretch. Father, I thank you for your anointing in this place today. I thank you that you are in here. I thank that you've come into this house, Lord, to speak through us, to speak to us, and to challenge us in the area of growth. I pray that, God, you would just move in this place. Create an atmosphere, Father, where you can do your perfect plan and will will be accomplished in this place. We thank you for your anointing this morning, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Philippians 3.12, if you have it, turn with me there. It says this, Now, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, 
but I press on. So Paul, Paul, one of the greatest pillars of faith, right? I mean, this is not a lightweight. This is not someone that struggles with his relationship with God. He is clear on who he is. He's clear on his purpose. He's clear on his relationship with Jesus. I mean, he's going to go on to write the majority of the New Testament. He's pretty in tune with what God is saying about his life. And this is what he writes to the Philippian church. He says, it's not that I've already arrived but I, or that I'm already perfected, but I'm pressing on toward that goal. I know that I am working towards something that is greater. I'm leaving ground behind, and I'm gaining new ground as I move forward. I'm not standing still. I'm pressing on. And this is what he said, and I love this. This, this stirs me this morning as I was reading it again. It says, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Do you like that this morning? He says, it's not that I've just gotten a hold of God, but it's also that what God's done in my life has gotten a hold of me. There's something that's got a hold of me this morning. There's something that's stirring me today. There's something that's pressing me on this morning. There's something that moves me and compels me and makes me to keep advancing on. It's not that I'm just grabbing hold of something that I call God or call spirituality, but I'm telling you this morning that something's got a hold of me too. Something's stirring me deep inside. I like that. He says, 13, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this in mind. And if any of you think otherwise, God will reveal this even to you. He says, so even if you think you're mature, keep this reality in mind. Keep this truth in mind in verse 16. Nevertheless, to the degree that we've already attained, let us walk by that same rule and let us be of the same mind. Here's what verse 16 is really saying. Don't lose the ground you've already gained, but continue gaining ground in the same manner, one foot in front of the other, and with your eye on the prize. So it requires surrender. It requires that I surrender the ground that I have so I can gain more ground. It's movement, not immobility. It's advancement, not settlement. I want you to think about that word, settlement, for just a moment. This is a tough thing, I think, for a lot of people. Is that, here's here's something that we have to understand, that we only settle this world if we are of this world. But if we are not of this world, then advancement must be our aim. When we talk about settlement, think about that word settlement. Settlement means I've, I've found a place that's mine and I've settled into this place. I've made it mine. I've made it my home. I've made it my, my, my permanent dwelling. That's settlement. Settlement declares that this is my home, that this world is my home. Advancement declares I'm on a journey for a home. Let me give you some news this morning if you're a Christian. This is not your home. This world is not your home. We are working toward another home, and that's in eternity. And if we ever get to a place where we settle in this world and we accept this world as it is without advancing forward, without moving forward, without pressing on, then what we've done is we have surrendered where we're really headed for what we have today. And I think this is tough for a lot of people. Because spiritual maturity is determined by what you see as your prize. 
Your spiritual maturity is determined by what you see as your prize. Paul says it like this in verse 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The reality is your highest aspiration reveal your heart's deepest desires. Your highest aspirations reveal your heart's deepest desires. Action always reveals the truth despite the claim of our words. Action reveals truth despite the claim of our words. We can say whatever we want to say, but our actions declare the truth regardless of what we say. Now turn with me real quick to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. I'm going to read a lengthy passage here. So stick with me. Verse 13, in him, speaking of Christ Jesus, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation. This is Paul writing again. Whom also, having believed, believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of the glory. Paul is always thinking about eternity. And he always writes with the concept of eternity in mind. He's talking about our inheritance that is to come. In verse 15, he says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And this in verse 17 through the remainder of the passage, verse 23, talks about what Paul is praying over the church. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of our understanding being Enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him as the right hand in heavenly places, far above principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things, somebody say all things, all things under his feet. And he gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So I want to give you three things this morning about advancement, about moving forward, about stretching toward God's purpose in our life. The first thing is this, that advancement requires preparation. Advancement requires preparation. We are referred to throughout Scripture as vessels. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Lamentations 4, 2. The precious sons of Zion, valuable as fine gold, how they are regarded as clay pots, the work of the hands of the potter. Isaiah 64 and 8. But now, O Lord, you are the Father, we are the clay, and you are the potter. And all we are the work of your hand. We are vessels. And so preparation means we have to prepare the vessel. He's the potter, we're the clay. And we don't stay clay forever. Think about it. Think about the pot as it's being molded and it's being shaped. It doesn't stay clay forever. There comes a point when, we mature, when it matures, when it's hardened into vessels. The fire is meant to harden. Everything that we go through life in life is meant to build spiritual maturity into us. It is meant to make us better as we go through it, to make us stronger, to make us develop into deeper people. 
spiritual maturity. Not that your heart is hardened, but your resolve and your capacity for life is strengthened and hardened to the point that you can deal with the things that surround you. Spiritual maturity means that I can't continue to be moved by things at the same level that I've been moved at them in the past. You know, there comes a a point when seasoning really means composure, right? It, It means that I've learned to keep my composure. I've learned to deal with difficulty. I've learned to deal with chaos. I've learned to deal with ups and downs. I've learned to deal with those areas of life that are beyond my control. Anywhere that we react out of grace, without grace, is a place that spiritual maturity is needed. Let me say that again. Any place that we react without grace is a place that spiritual maturity is needed in our lives. Anybody ever react in a way that is unpleasant? Anybody ever react in a way that later you think, oh my goodness, I cannot believe I reacted in that way. That's a place where I've got to grow. That's a place where spiritual maturity needs to be developed. All of us in this place have triggers, things that move us to react in a way without grace. And so we need God's grace in those areas because maturity dictates less options in my life. The closer I get to God, the closer I grow with Christ Jesus means I have less options than other people. I say this to our link class every time we have a link class. That as you grow with God and as you develop in your relationship with God, you you gain more responsibility and you gain less options. More responsibility, less options. A person that goes to church here and you're just a casual attender, if you go to a ball game and you throw a fit, it's not going to have the huge impact necessarily. It may make you look bad, but it doesn't make beyond you look bad. If your pastor goes to a ball game and throws a fit and acts like a fool, it has a greater impact because not only is it a reflection of me and my family, it's also a reflection of this church. And so I don't have the same options that everybody else has. I have fewer options because that's what leadership means. And as we grow with God, we have to understand that we have less options in our lives. Too many of us are living with too many options. Do I feel like going to church this morning? Do I feel like being a part of that this morning? Do I want to help in that ministry or not? Do I want to go to work? Do I want to do this? Do I want to take care of my kids? Do I even feel like getting out of bed? Too many options. Spiritual maturity, maturity in general, means that I have made my mind up ahead of time and regardless of my feelings, regardless of the outcome, regardless of the difficulties along the way, regardless of whatever gets in my way, I still have a purpose in mind and I'm not letting anything or anyone deter me from that purpose. Amen. It dictates less options. So I have to prepare myself. It requires preparation. I have to prepare myself spiritually. Let me tell you something. If you're waiting to feel spiritually energized to decide whether or not you're going to go to church, all the enemy has to do is cause your kids to act like nuts in the morning and then the whole thing's shot. And he'll do it every time. We never look for shoes more than we do on Sunday mornings. Am I right? You know, it's just, and I'm not giving credit to the enemy on all that stuff, but I'm just saying, 
If just things in life is all it takes to derail you from your purpose, guess what? Things are coming to you. And there's always going to be stuff that gets in the way. I have to prepare myself spiritually. I have to prepare myself mentally. I make up my mind ahead of time what I'm going to do. I don't wait and make my mind up on the fly. I have to prepare myself physically. If you're in leadership, guess what? Especially if you're in leadership in the church, you're going to have some battles. You're going to face some sicknesses. You're going to face some difficulties. You're going to have some stuff come against you. That's just the facts. And you have to make up your mind what your purpose is on the front side so that you can get through it when the difficulty comes. Preparing myself emotionally. Preparing myself socially. What do you mean socially? I mean, i got to have some friends that will encourage me and spur me on to my purpose, that will provoke me unto good works. That word provoke is a strong word that he uses in Hebrews. Provoke. That means they're not just passively saying, okay, you can do it. No. They're provoking me. Get yourself up. Get yourself together. Get your stuff in alignment. Get going. Do what you're supposed to do. Quit acting that way. Straighten up. Go for it. That's spurring someone on. That's provoking someone to good works. And so those areas, I had to prepare myself. Because any of those five areas I'm prepared is a vulnerability to derailment. The enemy's always looking for ends to your life. And if it only takes a sniffle to keep you out of church, get ready to, you better get you some Kleenex. If it only takes, you know, a little trouble here and a little trouble there to keep you from doing what God's called you to do in your life, then get ready. It's going to happen. you got to do that stuff in spite of the trouble. you got to do that stuff in spite of the difficulty. And I'm telling you, if we, Paul says press. What's he talking about there? He's talking about, I know there's pressure coming against me, but I'm putting my own amount of pressure into the process. I'm pressing into this thing, and I'm not backing up. Even though I feel pressure against me, I'm putting some pressure in this thing myself, and I'm determined that on the other side of this, there's a prize waiting for me that's worth every ounce of trouble that I deal with in this life. It requires preparation. The second thing, advancement requires clarification it requires preparation and it requires clarification clarification on two points clarification first of all of purpose Paul says in verse 14 again I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus he's clear about his purpose if we are vessels if God likens us to vessels then what is our purpose the purpose of every vessel any kind of vessel, is always one thing, delivery. It's always about delivery. It's always about getting something, the contents, to another place. You don't go on vacation and just grab all your stuff up. You put it in a bag because it's easier to carry something with a vessel, right? You know, you're not you're trying to get your groceries home. Guess what? It's nice to have your bread in a bag. It's nice to have your jam in a jar. It's nice to have those peanut butter in a jar. It's nice to have those things in a jar because it is trouble trying to get that somewhere without a delivery system even in a bigger delivery system you even put that stuff in bags right because it's easier to carry that not one atom at a time but several items in a bag and not only that you don't walk home with that stuff you put it in your car and you get it to where you've got to go because you need a delivery system to get you to where you want to be and get the stuff where you want it to go 
The purpose of a vessel is always delivery. Always. It's always about taking what is received and delivering it to the place that it was intended to go. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 again says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. The way we handle what we have received determines how we view its ownership. I'm going to let that settle. The way we handle what we've been given says a lot about how we view its ownership. If I take what God has given me, what has God given you? Think about it. What has God blessed you with? What has God equipped you with? What has God placed in your life? What gifts reside there? What resources reside there? What special abilities reside there? Whatever it is, God has placed that in you. And the way I deal with those things that I've been given says a lot about where I think those things belong or who owns those things. If I take what God has given me and I deliver it, then I declare him the owner. That's, it all has to do with the, the view of our origin of purpose. Do I decide my purpose or does God decide my purpose? Because here's the deal. If I'm the owner of what he has given me, I'm also the one who creates and decides my purpose. But if he is the owner of what I've been given, then he is the one who creates and decides my purpose. You're quiet. Spiritual maturity and advancement does not come from me making decisions about my life and then hoping God will get on board with it. This is what I want to do. And man, I hope God gets on board with that. And that's how the majority of people live life. It's not asking God on the front side, but it's begging God on the back side, will you be a part of what I've already decided to do? And wondering why we live with frustration, wondering why we live with lack, and wondering why we live out of purpose and out of the the blessings of God because we've not consulted him on the front side, the one who made us, the one who crafted us, the one who gifted us with what we have, and we've not consulted him on the front side what our lives are meant to deliver. To me, that's an abuse of grace. It's as, if, it's as if I went to the cross, that I went to the cross, and God owes me something. Spiritual maturity and advancement comes from God making decisions about my life. About God making decisions about my life and me getting on board with Him. When I'm in that place... What I'm doing is I'm recognizing Christ as a Savior who died on the cross. And my life, my life is owed in full to Him. Advancement requires clarification of purpose. If we're going to advance, we've got to know where we're going. My purpose is delivery. What has God placed in me that I am to deliver to someone else? Taking what I've been giving given, and delivering it to someone else. Advancement also requires clarification of value. Think about this for a moment. Value is determined by content. Value is determined by content. Now, there are vessels that have value by themselves. But when you think about a safe, you don't go to a house to rob a safe for the purpose of a safe. 
You're trying to get to the context, contents. People don't, don't heist an armored car because they want a new ride. It's a bit conspicuous. They're trying to get the contents in that ride. You don't buy jars at the store just for the sake of having a jar. You buy it to put something in it, or you buy it because it already has something in it. It's the content that matters. Now, I've got a little Tupperware dish here. It's not really Tupperware. It's an old lemonade jar. These things are handy-dandy if you want to put screws and things like that in it at your house. But for the most part, who would like to have this Tupperware dish? If you're like we were when we were growing up, we had butter dishes and whipped uh, cream dishes, and those were our Tupperware dishes. But they were valuable to us only because we were able to put something in them. They were not valuable. And, you know, and the truth is, if we loaned those out to someone, we didn't worry about getting them back. We were glad to just let them have it because we didn't care what was the dish. We cared about the contents. So who would like to have this nice lemonade Tupperware dish? Like a couple people. That's right. But if I reach in here and I pull out this $100 bill, and then I put this in here. Who would like to have this Tupperware dish now? Everybody in the place will take this Tupperware dish now. There was a few of you that would took it empty, but most of you want it now because it has something in it. It's the content that adds value to this dish. Now I've got to try to get that out of there. Look at there. Hey, that's, that's when you're good right there when you just pull that sucker right out. My point is this, that what's in you determines your value. What's in you determines your value. So for you and I to mature and advance spiritually, we must understand where our value comes from. Our value comes from God. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, again, we have this treasure in what? Earth and vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of who? God and not of us. That we understand the content that makes us valuable is our relationship with Jesus. It is what he has poured into our lives. That's what gives us value in this world. It is the content, not the container, that has the greatest value. So let me talk about preparation again. Content correlates to preparation in that God will not feel what is not prepared. God never gives us what we are not prepared to receive. God never gives us what we are not prepared to receive. And I'm just going to use myself as an example, but you try to correlate it to your own life. There are things in my life that I'm asking for. There are things in my life that I want. God has not given them to me. It's not because God doesn't love me. It's not because God hasn't even put those desires in my heart. Because I wouldn't want those things if the desires weren't there, right? And so what it is is that I have not put myself in a place where I am prepared to receive what God has in store for me. So it may not be time yet. That's okay. It may just be that I am not ready mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, whatever, socially. It may be that I have not prepared myself adequately to receive what God has put in my heart to, to receive. And so I have to prepare myself. I have to get myself into a place where God can release those things into my life. Because here's the thing about God, is God does not pour a miss. God doesn't miss when he's pouring. But he only pours into people who are ready to receive what he has ready to be poured out. He values his treasure to the point that he is only interested in pouring into vessels. He is not pouring it out, he is pouring it in. That's the way it is in your personal life. 
My personal life, that's the way it is in the church. That's the way it is in business. If you are a Christian, then every aspect of your life flows around the centrality of Jesus Christ. And so he is invested in every aspect of our lives, not just some. And so if I'm not getting it in an area, then I have to prepare myself and position myself to receive from God. And so preparation to receive is preceded by position to receive. And brings me to my last one. Advancement requires positioning. God's desire to give is always greater than our capacity to receive. God's desire to give is always greater than our capacity to receive. But you can't receive anything from God if you're out of position. The enemy understands that better than anybody. And everything that he does from attacks on you to temptation, etc., is designed to move us out of position. We get out of position with God and we, when we lose our focus on God. Focus is where I keep my eyes fixed and focus requires discipline. This is a world full of distractions. There's, there's distractions all around. There's a million things that you can give your attention and time to. There's a million things that you can give your energy to. There's a million things that are pulling at you. This world is full of distractions, and the enemy will provide you with a full range of distractions to get your eyes off of God. He will give you a full range of activities he will give you all kinds of opportunities. He will give you all kinds of things to get your attention off of God. And so I want to talk about two parts here of positioning yourself with God. The first one is a discipline that is required in positioning myself is to see Him. I have to get into a place where I can clearly see God. What is God doing? What is God trying to do in my life? What is He doing for me or what is He a part of that I want to be a part of? It's getting in position to see Him. So how do I see Him? How do I make him more clear to me? Basics. The word of God. You want to get God in your sight? Then you've got to get in the word. You've got to be a part of church. You've got to be faithful to the house of God. That's how you're going to see what God's doing. You've got to spend some time in prayer. You've got to have some healthy relationships with other Christians. These are all parts that help us to really get in a position where we see God. All of those things help you to see what God is up to. The second part of that is the discipline to remain in position. The first is to get in position to see Him. The second is to remain in position to see Him. It's like this. Miss April, would you come? I am this little vessel. And this is God. And He's trying to pour into my life. And April's going to be the vessel. And so as long as she's watching what's going on, pouring is not a problem, right? She's in alignment. She's in position to receive. But if she's looking over there and I'm pouring and she's not watching, then guess what? She's always out of position to receive. Yeah, okay. We don't want to make a mess. Do you get what I'm saying, though? You've got to keep your eyes. God is not one to stand in one place and pour out. He's on the move. He's advancing, and if we're not moving with him and watching him and keep our eyes on him, he's over here pouring out, and we're over here just wondering what's going on. Frustrated, frustrated because I'm not getting connected to God. Frustrated because things in my life are not working out. Frustrated because I've read about the promises of God, but I'm not seeing them fulfilled in my own life. I'm telling you, if you want to get close to him and you want to receive what God has, you got to keep your eyes on him. 
It's all about position. And it's all about staying in position. Some of us get to the place where we really get connected. And we know God is working in our lives. God takes us too far uh, to, a po- to a point, And we see God working. But then we start getting distracted. We start getting our eyes on other stuff. We start focusing on ourselves, our problems, our issues, our blessings. And we start thinking about those things. And all the while, God's still moving. And God's still pouring. But he's not pouring into my life because I've moved myself out of position with him. Requires position. Don't let distraction cause you to forfeit your position with God. Because if that's all it takes, prepare to be distracted. There's a million distractions in this world. Blake, would you come? And so stand with me across this place this morning. I am challenging you. This week, next week, I don't know how long I'm going to be in this vein, but to grow and mature spiritually. We want to advance spiritually. This is a season of growth. Of growth. Advancement requires preparation. It requires us to be prepared. I have to prepare myself mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, socially, if I'm going to grow. Advancement requires clarification. I have to know my purpose, and I have to know where my value comes from. And advancement requires positioning. I have to put myself in alignment with God and then keep my focus on Him. So with every head bowed across this place this morning, My altar call is very simple this morning. I just simply want you to do this. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I want to grow and I want to mature spiritually, then this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm not going to ask you to move this morning. I'm going to ask you just to stay right where you are. And I'm going to simply ask you to take an area of your life, whatever it may be, where do you react without grace? That is a great place to start growing spiritually. So think about that place right now. It's when I'm driving down the road. I react without grace every time. It's with my kids. I react without grace every time. It's with my job and my employees. I react without grace every time. It's when I get in a conversation with my spouse about finances. I react without grace every time. Whatever it is, here's what I'm challenging you to do. I'm asking you to write it down. Write it on a piece of paper, write it on a connection card, write it on the back of a tithe envelope, whatever you have in front of you, write it down on that, write it in your phone, write it somewhere and say over the next few weeks, over the next couple of months, this is going to be my focus. I am going to grow spiritually in this area. When someone cuts me off in traffic, I am not going to call them names this time. I'm going to bless them and keep my composure and allow grace. Allow grace into the scene. When my kids act up, I'm not going to respond out of control. I'm going to simply respond with grace. Whatever it is, write it down. And that's going to be your focus over the next few weeks. With every head bowed and every eye still closed, if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, You've not received Jesus Christ as your Lord. You have not made the commitment and the decision to follow Him and to let Him be the Lord of your life. It's like I said earlier. We owe God a great debt for His sacrifice on the cross. And that debt is paid in the lives that we live. 
by following him, by serving him. Paul even declared himself a slave to Christ because he understood at a deep level that the sacrifice that Jesus had committed for him, had given for him at the cross, required that his life be lived in full service to God's purpose. If you don't have that relationship with Jesus... This morning, I'm going to pray in just a moment, and I'm going to ask you as I'm praying, if you'll just simply just ask Christ to come into your heart, ask Christ to be a part of your life, make a commitment to serve Him, ask Him to help you from this day forward to be a part of every decision that you make and be central to your life. Father, I thank you this morning. Lord, for people that are here, that are making a commitment right now in this moment to follow you and serve you, Lord, you said in your word that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, Father. You said that if we call upon the name of the Lord, that we would be saved. That if we confess our, we confess our sins and we declare you as Lord, that we will have a relationship with you, that we will be saved. And so, Father, right now, as they begin to just call out to you and begin to pray to you, Father, that you would just come and meet with them right now and that, Father, they would feel your spirit invade their life and that there would be a newness as they walk out of this place. We thank you for that. Father, for every person in this room that says, yes, there are places in my life that I lack grace. There are places in my life that I react without grace. I pray that, Father, right now that you would touch them, that you would minister to them, that you would bless them, that, God, you would give them the courage to admit it, And that, Father, you would give them courage to do something about it. It's like we said earlier, God, that it's the actions that reveal the true intent of our hearts, not our words. And so, Father, let us take it to another level. Let us not just talk about it. Let us not just admit it and confess it, but let us do something, Father, about it. Let us walk differently. Let us walk in a newness. Let us attain some new ground this morning. Let us grow into depths and deeper spirituality, Father. We thank you for that in this place. I pray a blessing over each and every person in this room this morning. I pray that, God, you would go with them, be with them this week, that, Father, you'd be central to everything that we do. And we ask these things this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hug someone's neck. Greet them this morning. God bless you. Have a great afternoon. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We'd love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you'd like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We'd love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street in Burkrenet, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river.